I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories every Monday and Thursday of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today I have Yesenia Cruz from Montclair, New Jersey. She is a wife and a mother of two amazing teens. She has been in sales and marketing for over 20 years and was an integral part of the Oprah Winfrey Network team for over eight years. Now she is also an entrepreneur who recently founded 33K Ventures. A quote that resonates with self-improvement for her is from The Wizard of Oz, which says, you've always had the power, my dear. You just had to learn it for yourself. Hey, Jesse, I love that quote. Welcome, welcome to the Courageous Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to sit down and talk to you today. Awesome. So you and I are part of a small network of women entrepreneurs. You know, you and I have just been kind of getting to know each other and you started sharing a little bit about your story. And obviously I was like, hmm, I think that this would be a great story to have on the Courageous Podcast. So you were gracious enough to think about it and obviously decided to come on and just share your amazing story. So uh, I wanted you to take us back through your story and when you were a very uh, young girl and what you did to persevere through that adversity. Well, one fall afternoon, I went shopping with my mom and we lived in the Mont Haven section of the Bronx. So if you really think about the Bronx, a lot of us didn't really have cars. So we always relied on a taxi to bring our groceries home. I remember my mom handing me a plastic bag to give me something to do. And I remember the rustling sound of the bag, you know, and I was just focusing on that sound it made. As we entered into the lobby of our building, my mother got confronted by one of our neighbors. Her name is Nilda Bruno. And again, I was just three years old and I really didn't realize what was happening. And before I knew it, this woman threw a substance at my mom and missed her. Hmm. Unfortunately, the substance hit me right in my face and it was acid. And my mom immediately took me to her friend's house, actually apartment, because, you know, in the Bronx, you steam ferns. Who knew? Mm -hmm. And I just remember my mom knocking on the door, getting me in, telling me to hold my breath and just submerging my face in the water to rinse off this acidic substance off of my face. That's the trauma that I faced when I was three. Wow. You know, you're talking about this, and I am trying to imagine you at three years old going through something like this. And anybody that has a child out there cannot even fathom seeing their young child experience something so traumatic. And so I wanted to ask you, why would your neighbor do something like this and try to harm your mother? Well, she had a disagreement with my oldest sister, who was 15 at the time, the day before. There are many rumors on what the disagreement was about. I don't have the facts, so I can't speak to it. All I know is my 15-year-old sister at the time was very rebellious, and I can only imagine now having teens, 
you know, what could have gone down. But she wanted to confront my mother and basically say that she wanted an apology for my sister's behavior. And my mother wasn't having it. My mother is a very strong-willed Puerto Rican woman. She is the only daughter out of 10. So she was raised by nine brothers. I mean, she's wow. not backing down. Right. And oddly enough, in this confrontation, Nilda was prepared to do us harm if she didn't have an apology. And, I, you know, and that's where the acid came in. It's amazing how, how somebody would do something like that just because they didn't get their way or just because they required something of someone or, or believe that they should get something. And so your mom, you know, obviously really stood her ground. Do you remember this experience? And, you know, what did this do to you growing up as a child or as a teenager? I do. I remember every detail. I remember, like I said before, from the rustling of the bag. I remember the yelling, the being submerged in the water. I mean, for years, I had a really hard time swimming because I would just go back in that moment in time. So I really had to work on that. And it's one of those moments in time where every time you talk about it, you feel like you relive it over and over again. And now that mm -hmm. I have children of my own, sometimes I, you know, when they were my age, when this trauma happened to me, I go back and I think, oh my God, you know, I can't imagine this happening to them. But it really affected my confidence. It really affected how I saw myself in the world. I mean, some of the details I remember specifically also include the EMTs not showing up and being put in the backseat of a patrol car and driving over to Lincoln Hospital in Grand Concourse. And I remember my family's very Catholic and my mother would always make the comment to me if I wanted something, well, you know, you're not crying like Jesus. You're not crying tears of blood like Jesus. <laughs> and you know, my mother is just very funny that way, right? And mm -hmm. But I remember being in the back of this patrol car and the acidic substance on my face. And all of a sudden, I look at my hands and I see that my tears are mixed with blood. So I looked at my mother and I said, look, I'm crying tears of blood like Jesus. And my mother told me when I was older, when I said that to her, it truly impacted her. At that point, she just felt like she was losing control of what was happening. And I'm very blessed and very grateful. I have a very strong mom who um, throughout this journey has been by my side. That's amazing. You know, as women, especially like the old school Puerto Rican moms, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> they have no, no choice and no option but to be strong to raise their kids and, and be mm -hmm. wives and, and just be everything that they're called to be, you know, to take care and serve their families. And so were you angry, one, at this woman for doing something like this? And were you angry maybe at your family for not protecting you? I'm pretty indifferent about my feelings toward Nilda Bruno, who was my assailant. I was more mad at my family, all of them. Mm -hmm. my brother, my sister, my father, my mother, just because they didn't protect me from harm's way. I mean, I was just three years old. I mean, I wasn't that big. I'm a precocious three-year-old. I really channeled that anger by having a lot of temper tantrums as I was growing older. And some of that anger turned into fear and not trusting people. Mm -hmm. 
And one of the things that happened that I really remember in detail is being at the Bronx County Courthouse and being put literally (laughs) my chubby little body right next to the judge on the judge's bench. And I remember him asking me how I felt. I looked to him and I said, I'm hurt. I feel bad. And I pointed to the woman who did it to me. And I said, she did this to me. And I just want her to be thrown away in the garbage. If you think about it, I was just three years old. When I think back at that point in time, I'm just grateful that moment actually created a sense of resiliency that you can see throughout my whole entire life. I wouldn't change it for the world because Mm -hmm. I know it made me stronger. Right. Just thinking deeper about this, you know, as you're talking, you know, what would you say was your motivation to really push through? Was it something? Was it someone? What was that? Well, for me, my mom never gave me the option to feel victimized. You know, she's a very strong woman raised by my strong grandmother, Philomena, who I feel watches over me every day. And my mother, told me to look at this incident and be grateful. Her telling me I was beautiful, I was smart. She actually redirected my feelings to be very grateful. She wanted me to be grateful that I still had my eyesight. She wanted me to be grateful that I was still alive and I really wasn't hurt that bad. You know, my mother was just very pragmatic Mm-hmm. And her being that way in my early years really helped shape who I became. My mother made me focus on the fact that how I see myself was more important than how others see me. Mm-hmm. And and that was that. very influential of getting me through that. That's powerful. A lot of times people or even, you know, as women we're always worried about what other people think, how they view us, you know, how we look on the outside. And I love that your mom took this opportunity to instill that early in you to say that you were still beautiful, that you were still amazing, that you still have so much to give so that you can push past that early childhood pain and move forward into the woman that you are today. And so did you feel that God may have been on this journey with you and that he was walking you through this? I mean, sometimes I did. Since the acid was thrown on the right side of my face, you know, I can look at some of these hospital documents and and see that there was actual damage to my right cornea. And being from a Puerto Rican household that's very Catholic, my mother prayed to St. Lucy, the patron saint of the blind. And As I grew older and I started doing more research about acidic substances on eyes and the effectiveness, for all intents and purposes, I should have lost my eyesight. My cornea should have been damaged. It was damaged when I was three. There's no damage now. Hmm. I never lost hope throughout this whole journey. And I think that's a reflection of God, Mm -hmm. of always being with me. But that doesn't mean that I didn't have other feelings that came up because of the trauma. Absolutely. And and rightfully so. At such a young age, going through something like this and then growing up and having to just deal with it and face it everywhere you go and kind of at every turn, even people probably just looking at you would remind you probably of what they were seeing, but what you knew 
was not going to be an obstacle or a stumbling block for you and mm-hmm. your success. Looking back at this whole situation, is there anything that you would have done differently? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I could. If anything, I would change the narrative. There was a time in my life where my mom would just say to me, the accident that happened to you, this was no accident. This was a crime. I was traumatized. I was a victim. But you have to understand, my mom didn't want me to feel or act like a victim. Right. And in her doing that, I didn't know my way. I couldn't navigate through this narrative and how it shaped some of my personality. And so I know that through this, because you wanted to really understand, like you said, that you had a narrative that just seemed like it wasn't enough for you. What led you to dig a little bit deeper and request the records of this story and of this case? You know, I needed to come to terms with the facts. Am I a victim? Did this happen to me? When they received me in the hospital, did they test the chemical? Was it lie that was acidic? I really needed to dig deeper because I really wanted to own the truth. I wanted to own my narrative. I didn't want to own the narrative people were telling me my entire life. Mm. I wanted to see it on black and white, just in the facts. Three-year-old girl admitted to a hospital for acidic burns, right-hand side of the face. Crime. So when I did that, it really helped paint the picture for me, you know, for years I did have a lot of anger that I wasn't allowed to talk about in my home. The older I got, I looked into resources and whether it was hypnosis, talking to a psychologist and things of that nature, I really wanted to move past this once I knew that this trauma truly happened to me. And when I was a teenager and some into my adulthood, There are moments I'm not proud of where I let my anger get the best of me. But when I go back and I do a lot of self-reflection, it's because this trauma impacted me and made me feel very suffocated and made me feel like a victim. I needed to fight and protect myself and I needed to become my own hero. Hmm. And that was very important to me because I wasn't going to allow it to break me. That's right. You know, sometimes in life, we may not have someone there to encourage us, to push us through, to hold our hand. And sometimes you just have you, you know, and you say, Mm -hmm. hey, I've got to be that person. I've got to be that strong, courageous person to push through, to persevere, and to turn this into a positive because I will not be a victim, as you said to this my entire life. And Mm -hmm. one of the things I loved when you and I were having that deep conversation was that you said something very inspiring in which you said that you want to be that person to encourage, to help, to motivate other people because you didn't have that, because you didn't have a hero or someone to encourage you and listen and understand and and motivate you. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me because I feel the same way. 
I want to be that person to support others when I have felt that I didn't have the support that I needed at the time. And don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that we don't have great friends and great family and, you know, support, but there's just those really pivotal key moments where you feel alone and isolated, where you say, Mm -hmm. man, I feel alone in this, you know, I don't have that encouragement and the support that I need. And so you said, no, Jesse, you have to be that person right now. You have to be your own hero. You have to rely on you. And, you know, from my perspective, I know that God was looking down on you and saying, hey, you're going to get through this. I'm with you. I'm covering you. You did not lose your eyesight because I did not allow it to happen because I have a purpose and a plan for you. And that's pretty amazing that you pushed through it and you just persevered through this situation. And so after all these years, I know that you said that you really hadn't talked about this. Why did you decide to share your story today? Well, first and foremost, you and I developing our friendship, I felt very comfortable with you and sharing the story with you. I felt we were kindred spirits, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's imperative more than ever for me to say it out loud. I think a lot of my story has been told to people individually. I've never shared it, for lack of a better way of saying it, in a large crowd. I'm a very private person, but I just think that after all these years, I really need to own my own narrative and I need to own what happened to me because I decided when I was small that I wasn't going to let it to define me. And I decided to make a plan and to have goals and to shape the life that I deserved. And I worked hard for that. And I'm so blessed and grateful that I have that. But most importantly, there's a lot going on in the world today. And this opportunity of sharing my story just allows me to connect with other people who might have similar feelings or, or similar stories. That's right. There could be someone listening that says, hey, I get that. I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. This story, this person, I resonate with that. I resonate with her. And I'm so glad that you decided to be brave today because I know that even if you just impact one person, that your story is not in vain. Although I know it's going to impact more than one person, but (laughs) (laughs) I know that. So if you could give someone that's been in a similar situation, you know, that's Mm -hmm. been hurt by someone else, that's been a victim of a crime that we see happening every single day, day in and day out. I mean, just horrible things are happening. You know, what would you say to that person if they're still stuck, if they're still hurting, if they feel like they have been defined by that crime that was committed against them? What could you say to encourage them today? Well, first and foremost, you have to honor your feelings. You know, our feelings are a wide range of emotions from anger to sadness, frustration, or even self-criticism. You have to honor them. You got to cry. You got to live through that. Because once you can own your feelings, you can move forward. When I got the hospital records, it allowed me that moment in time to own my feelings. And I had to work through it to move forward. The second thing I would do is I would make the suggestion of choose who do you want to be? 
I wanted to be that hero for myself. I wanted to be brave. I wanted to be unstoppable. I wanted to be a force to be reckoned with. And I Mm -hmm. am that person. Mm -hmm. And you're right, Madeline. You're right. You know, I want to be that person for the people in my life. I'm the mama bear. People come to me because they know I will get it done. I am a, I am a consistent pillar of strength for my friends and my family. And that's important. But you need to be focused on what kind of relationships you want and who you want to become because we have to make conscious decisions of the life that we want. That's right. You sound like you were the hero for yourself and now you are proud to be the hero for others and carry them through their journeys and the things that they're going through. And if there was someone out there that has a scar on their face or mm-hmm. on their body or maybe looks different to other people and they don't feel accepted, you know, what would you say to them? I think scars are beautiful. I really do. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And if someone asks you the story about your scar, it's okay to tell them it's personal. Some people back off once you say that. Mm-hmm. But self-love here and acceptance is paramount. And nowadays versus when I was a teen, there are so many options of caring for a scar through the grace of technology and of companies creating different shades. But most importantly, you have to embrace it. You have to. It's part of who you are. It's part of your journey. It's part of your story. And remind yourself every day, it doesn't define you. And it's probably the least interesting thing about you because you're made up of so much more. That's right. Wow. That's powerful, Jesse. Thank you so much. It's like you said, it's about self-love. We have to love ourselves first and accept ourselves first before anyone else can do that. And that's so important. And so before we wrap up, I just wanted to, you know, let people know how they can connect with you. I know you're on this amazing entrepreneurial journey and you've just launched a new business. How can people connect with you? Um, Sure. They can connect with me on LinkedIn and also through my website, 33kventuresllc.com. And thank you. Thank you so much for creating such a, you know, nurturing environment. I'm so honored to be part of your podcast series. Amen. Well, I'm honored to have had you on and just to hear your story and just your perspective and how you were able to look at this traumatic situation and turn it into something so amazing. I love how you say that you are a force to be reckoned with. That's powerful. And, you know, that's the kind of woman that I want to be and that I feel that I am. And and I'm still working towards it, obviously. But Mm -hmm. knowing other women and other people that have been through these things and that they are stronger and better for them continues to encourage me, too. So your story definitely encourages me to keep fighting forward and to keep fighting for others and and filling the gap for those people that don't have someone to fight for them so that we can stand with them and fight with them and give them the strength and the courage to go on. And so, Jesse, I just want to pray blessings over you, over your beautiful family, over success, over your business. I know you are such an intelligent woman. When you talk about your business and all of your ideas, and I know you say you call yourself a nerd, but (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't care. You are amazing. And I know you're going to do amazing things with 33K Ventures. And I pray that you will continue to find the investors and be able to grow this business and help other businesses out there achieve the dreams and the success that they're looking for. And so I welcome you to come back to the Courageous Podcast and tell us a little bit about how that's going. And, you know, I have a heart for women. I have a heart for entrepreneurs. And I say this all the time. And so I thank you and wish you well in every single thing that you do. Hey, Courageous community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast twenty twenty at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.